hit the record before I forget. Um, but yeah, so uh, yeah, Christmas 2 is already coming through. I think there's quite a lot of people here, I don't know about yourselves, who are sort of saying they're, they're going to do a January Christmas instead just yeah. because they missed out. So um, I just couldn't imagine keeping up the decorations for that long. No, no, in fact, we took the decoration. Well, we only redecorate the tree. We have a tree and decorate that. And that's about it, really. Yeah. And that's coming down. That's going out in the garden today. Nice. It's all gone. <laughs> so you have a, a fresh tree or you have a. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. Very nice. Yeah. Funny enough, I used to sell Christmas trees, me and my dad. <gasps> really? Yeah. Yeah, many years ago. Oh, um, cool. My dad, my dad owned a shop. Yeah. Um, in London. And. Um, the guy that was renting it went bust, unfortunately, about, I think, maybe sort of October time one year. Hmm. And it was sort of sitting there. And so Dad said, oh, let's give it a go, you know. And we did, honestly, we made a fortune. Wow. <laughs> I was about I was about 16, I think, 16, maybe 15, 16. Yeah. And um, Dad said, how are we going to do this then? So I so said, I'll tell you what, I'll do, give you a third of the profits. Wow. And I ended up with 1,500 quid in my pocket on Christmas Eve. Wow, nice. He couldn't believe it. It was <laughs> devastating. He thought we might make sort of, you know, might make a grand or something. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and we ended up That's making amazing. about four and a half grand. That's incredible. Just yeah. from Christmas trees. Nothing Just else. From Christmas like... tree. That was wow. uh, that, especially that first year. All we had literally was Christmas trees. Wow. You know, we, in the end, we ended up getting some like stands in and stuff and a few bits and bobs. Um but the first year we didn't, you know, we just didn't know really, and uh, yeah, made a fortune. Yeah, wow. I, I, <laughs> I wouldn't even think there would be that much money in Christmas trees, but evidently, yeah. Oh yeah, there's plenty of profit, and don't worry about that. Oh well, uh, if I leave this in the recording, then uh, everyone go out, uh, start your Christmas yeah. tree business now. You know, <laughs> absolutely, yeah. I'm certainly bargain for them because there's plenty That's of profit. Crazy. In them. That's yeah. crazy. We've, I mean, we've always had like the old, you know, your traditional plastics, uh, you know, uh, none of this cutting it down and bringing it in the house nonsense. Um, but uh, oh god, wow! I think I might switch and yeah. then uh, you know have a little side business, little you know, yeah, yeah, backhand a profit thing. Yeah. You no, know, I did it one year. I did it. I did it here where I, so I bought some trees and just because we got like a drive next to the house that leads oh. into a little car park for the the cottages. Right. And so I just got like you know fifty trees. <laughs> stood out there for about for a few weeks and sold them oh, oh my god that is yeah. incredible yeah I, you are the tree man now that is it yeah. you are <laughs> yeah do you know i miss it in a way i really oh. enjoyed it it was hard hard work i tell you mm. cold and up really early every morning <sighs> you know and it was long days and stuff but it was it was good fun as well <laughs> Yeah, that's amazing. That is a good. Well, if if there ever there was something I was going to learn about you today, it was not uh, yeah. going to be that. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. Well, um, on that bombshell, welcome back. We're we're here. It's our first recording. <laughs> we are. It's our first yes. recording. Twenty twenty two. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, yeah, I've I've got to try and remember how we do this. Um, yes, it's been a couple indeed. of weeks. Um. Yep, yeah, uh, fallen hero, fallen hero uh, as is. Uh, we'll just do that as we go. Um, yep. If there's time at the end, we'll do a little uh, disco catch up. I can't remember what episode we finished on uh, talking about disco because it's been a couple of weeks. Yeah, has um, so I might just have a quick look on Anchor when we when we're done. No, with I think fallen. it might have only been episode two we got to maybe. Possibly, yeah. So we've got like the rest of the yeah. season, the half season. I've got to, to try to remember. 
Yeah, same. Yeah, I mean, it, that's the downside is there's there's no repeat. You can't go back and rewatch something that's already on there. It doesn't go live you know, and then stay in demand. I was going to say that to you because I've got it on. I brought it on um, Prime. Ah, it's only one eighty nine episode for Ooh. for standard definition. Mm. I might look into that. Mm. Yeah, but yeah, I yeah I've only seen them once uh, each right. episode, so yeah. I'm. I'm I've got very little research. Haven't looked into the scenes. Haven't done anything. No, I haven't. Um, I've only watched them once, actually. But I've got them. If I, you know, so we, yeah, I got into the habit with disco. Uh, certainly from season one. Just you know, you watch the episode, then maybe watch it again the next day. Maybe yeah. watch it a couple of days after, see if it still stay, sits with you. So I got to know those ones quite well. But this yeah. season, I'm feeling very disconnected. Yes. Um, ironically, given the, the the whole things about connection and yes. you know staying connected. <laughs> exactly, yeah. So there we go. Um, <laughs> Yeah, well, you're the co-host on this one as well, so um, I'm not going to yes. sort of introduce, you know, and say, and my guest anymore. So uh, if you want to just jump in and say hi, I'm Dan, and and we'll just do it that way. Um, I'll do the the normal welcome back to the Temple Trek. Here's the chrono date. I'm Dan Hitch, and then I'm Dan Hitch. Yeah, just go from there. Yep. Um, yeah, nothing cool. else really. It's pretty That's business it. business as usual. We haven't changed anything yet. Uh, oh, but yeah. I but I do like your suggestion about changing the uh, A in the old cars from alterations to allegory if it's a if it's a bad episode. Um. Yeah, I just think with with because the problem with like TOS mm. is I mean there'd be uh, there, there's some great episodes obviously, but there's so much that really you want to change you know the the sexual politics and the just you know the the whole you know so much you know that's that's difficult now. <laughs> that I thought that alterations would be difficult you know in some ways and but mm. allegory with tos is is probably sort of easier yes yeah i mean we could just post every single time it's like this used to be the alteration section uh and of course we would change this this and this on every episode and we'll just then move on to allegory and just yeah it'll be el cars so we'll just have a, an extra <laughs> right. an extra a so um the same way we do with the uh, the arbit so uh yeah the, the thing um the, the rating criteria will just get longer um okay yeah we'll do that then cool. right uh season three episode 24 season one episode 22 space time the ever-expanding frontier these are the records of the most needlessly complicated rewatch of the star trek franchise ever its mission to locate every second contemplate every eon from outside time to the big bang to the 20th century all the way to the end of all existence. To do what no sane entity has ever done before. This is the Temporal Trek Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Temporal Trek Podcast. I've got to try and remember how I'm supposed to do this. Uh, this is Chronodate, Season 3, Episode 24, and Season 1, Episode 22 of Enterprise, Fallen Hero. I'm your co-host, Dan Hitch, and... And yes, and here I am, Daniel Huckfield, your um, other co-host. Thank you for inviting me and, and uh, placing your trust in me. It's really <laughs> appreciated. Exactly. Um, as far as the listeners are concerned, this is, I think, now your third episode of the main show as a co-host and second, no, third 
uh, episode as a co-host on Nexus Nights as well, if anyone's listening to Nexus Nights. But uh, yeah, so we are now official hosts. So there's none of this, you know, signing in and doing call in and doing all kinds of special effects. We just go straight into the episode. Um, But um, for the listeners, how have you been? Uh, uh, This is now the first episode we are recording in 2022. Uh, How was your new year? Yeah, it's fine. Thank you. Um, Quite quiet. We don't have kids and stuff, so it's um, it's a little bit more peaceful than maybe some other people's. Um, but yeah, it was nice and um, ready to crack into 2022. Mm, absolutely. See how um, I feel in middle of January, but yeah, right <laughs> <laughs> we'll just have to see because yeah, so many uh, looming lockdowns or changes to uh, COVID criteria and all this sort of stuff. So people listening years from now into this podcast, if you catch yes. this episode, this is where we are. Nobody really knows what's going on. There we go. Uh, speaking of not knowing what uh, what's going on. Archer has no idea what's going on in this episode in Fallen Hero. Hey! There's my transition. Um, (laughs) Fallen (laughs) Hero. um, Any thoughts on the episode first off? Is this one that stays in the memory banks? Is this one that you sort of remember, but it's a bit sketchy? Do you know what? No, it doesn't stay in the memory banks, really. Although, having rewatched it a few times for this podcast, I really enjoyed it. Hmm. But it's again, it's... I mean, we'll talk about this more, I'm sure, but it's one of those episodes that not a lot happens in. And this yep. seems to be a theme that we're picking up, certainly in the last few few episodes. Um, so it's not memorable as such, but I do enjoy it. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on this. It's one of those ones that's stuck in the memory because of reaching Warp 5 for the first time. That really stuck in my memory. That whole scene really was there before coming into this the first time. And I sort of remembered there was a, a, a hero of T'Pol's that was a bit, um, you know, uncertain but i couldn't remember if that was a season four thing or whether this was a season one thing so it was a bit hazy but watching it back and as you say nothing really happens in this there was a disagreement between archer and this new person on the ship they go back and forth back and forth for they eventually try and run for it that's it that's all that really happens when you break down the episode if you're being really reductive um but i absolutely love this episode i think it's a really good episode i think for me, it worked or would work better as a as a season finale. I think if they'd tweaked it a little bit, okay. added a few more bits here and there, maybe made the whole conspiracy element to this episode uh, a bigger thing that had been building up for months. You know, all these marauders we've been meeting, the the Orions, the mysterious people who've been attacking them. If that had somehow linked into it, I think this could have worked as a really good season finale of uh enterprise finally reaching you know warp five at the end of season one okay, then going yes. into season two and, and doing everything from there um but there we go funny well funny enough i'm having a discussion at the moment in a, a facebook group called trekademia mm. which is a facebook group which i recommend to everyone really but um for um academics who are either use trek in their studies or just fans and happen to be academics and sort of you know um, and we're talking about episodes we think could be extended to two two episodes. Oh, interesting. So yeah, so maybe your your idea could be one of those. Um, mm-hmm. And perhaps having said this, uh, maybe this is a Nexus Knights in the making. Oh, I like this. Yeah. So what? Uh, just episodes that would expand into two parters 
or yeah yeah i mean maybe we, we could we could play with the format of that but that's what the discussion mm. is at the moment in this is you know so i i suggested um this is really off track but off track <laughs> off track maybe um i suggested living witness from voyager mm. the one with and i thought maybe what would be really nice with that was to um the first episode of the two would be like a bit like one division was you know in the first couple of episodes of one division they were just like the the, the sitcom Yes. Like, What's going on here? This is really weird. Just had that alternative history being played out as if it was just dropped in, no, no explanation, just the attorney. <laughs> and then the second episode would be the doctor saying, Well, no, actually, this is what happened. And you know. Nice. Oh, I like yeah. that. So yeah, we- so really go into the evil Janeway yeah. mir- mirror universe, but not mirror universe. Yeah, well, Voyager. exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So Ooh. alternative history, Janeway, yeah. Oh, I like that. That would be yeah. good. We can maybe oh, yeah. talk about oh, this oh, in oh. about 37 years when we get to Voyager. <laughs> well, that is it. I mean, Living Witness is the last Voyager episode we will ever watch because it is the last oh, yeah. chronological episode for Voyager. Um, so, yeah, that's going to be a long, long time yeah. from there. Uh, and then the last five minutes is even further back than that because it's set 700 years after that episode takes place. So uh, wow. when, we, when we realise he's gone home. So even that's past Disco season four. So that is wow. the furthest part in the future if you really sort of plan out the timeline. Um, oh. So there we go. So that is going to be about, yeah, 30 years time. So uh, <laughs> we'll get to that point then. <laughs> uh, but getting to getting to points, um, we'll go into the yes. episode and we'll locate the episode. We'll go from there. And it's another one of those things that I've really enjoyed where Enterprise just got straight into it. There wasn't mm. a lead up to a conversation. They were in a conversation. In fact, we could catch the tail end of a conversation where T'Pol has obviously suggested that the crew ain't getting enough. Um, efficiency is down and they need a bit of sex, <laughs> a bit of sexy time and perhaps uh, should do with a little holiday to Riser. Um, yes. Any thoughts on uh, this scene, really? Um, it's both cringy and <laughs> quite fun as well. Um, what I do like is the way it sets up that little sort of, what's the word, um, trilogy leading mm. up to Two Days and Two Nights. I like the way that runs through the next couple of episodes, actually. That's that's really nice. It's a bit sort of, it's cringy only in the way that, that Enterprise is when it comes to sexy time. Mm-hmm. You know, it can't help itself. It's... <laughs> It's like it's the look that uh, Trip gives and stuff, and just you know, I don't know. It's I quite like it, but it's just got that Enterprise thing. <laughs> it really does. Yeah, it's it's that schoolboy tittering. Oh, they're yes. talking about sex. Um, yeah. Feeling that Enterprise seems to give, but no other Trek, as far as I remember, gives yeah. me that feeling. Whether maybe you know, in the years to come, I'll find out whether DS Nine or Voyager or whatever had similar sort of moments. Um, no hatred, uh, no traitred in this. Um, even with Trip doing his little, you know, that's a hell of a dry spell. Um, <laughs> which seemed really odd given that, you know, he's he's hung out with plenty of Vulcans in this season already, and yeah. he is more than aware of what Pomfar is and the yeah. seven year mating cycle, and yet he still seems to talk of it like he's never heard of this before. Um, but there you go. But not not a trade trade because you know it is kind of a friendly little jibe, and yeah. they've kind of built this up for ages now. So yeah, I've, absolutely. Yeah. Maybe I'm just getting beaten down by it. You know, this is kind of like you know I've been taken hostage by Enterprise, and now I just accept it. Uh, but there we go. 
um, but receptive to easing tensions is yes, is the yes. schoolboy way of describing yeah. it. Even though Tapal is saying it, and that is how I would picture a Vulcan describing yeah. it. But there we go. Um, we have the credits, uh, and then we go into um, what will be the first traitrid of the new year. It's time you learn to weigh the possible repercussions of your actions. You've always been impulsive. One pan fried catfish. I'll show you to the nearest airlock. Maybe this will teach you a lesson. Okay. And it's that shirt. <laughs> um, That's it... really funny because I thought you might say that, but I really quite <laughs> like it in a funny sort of way. <laughs> My eyes are still stinging from the burn that that, uh, that shirt makes on them. <laughs> I, I like the shirt in a funny sort of way. It, it, it fits, fits Trip true. very well. Very true. Both figuratively so it, and actually fits yeah. him very well. He looks yes. very dashing in it. He, he pulls off that shirt, I have he to does. say. He does. He gets yeah. away with it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Very true. <laughs> <laughs> but it did confuse me. They've literally only just talked about Ricer. Presumably, yes, it's going to take time to get there, and he's already wearing the shirt. Um, you know that. I mean, I've heard about being signed off when you go to work. You've already mentally signed off a few days before your last day, but that's really taking the. It's going to be a week before they get there, and he's already dressing up. Um, <laughs> well, uh, I think Archer hits a nail on the head, doesn't he? You know, no one needs this more than you. <laughs> you know, I think it really does. We're prove seeing it. that, yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, look back at his year. He's been um, uh, he's been left in charge, but against some very uh, you know superior foes. He's been cut off so many times by politicians. He's been pregnant. You know, he yeah. As crew members go, he's probably taken the most beatings this year. Um, and of course, you know, he's got to deal with my traitorid all the time, which of course yes. echoes through the temporal wavelengths uh, and does hit him. So uh, there you go. I'm just a bully. That's what it is. Um, get seen to get noticed um if you're yes. taking that shirt you might as well just stay on board to poles jibes and digs yeah. oh just that i love them to poll <laughs> is definitely my favorite character for for those kind of um quick witted responses to anything in a situation um archer wants to catch up on surveys uh but maybe he could do it on a beach as well uh very sort of scotty i felt like that was yes. scotty from tos he wanted to look at his uh technical manuals uh whilst on holiday uh any other uh thoughts on on the interplay in that scene um no just to echo what you said i really like to poll in this uh, this um scene it's really nice as you say what to does so well is you know she's she plays vulcan really well Mm. but she's just i think in fact i think this sort of comes up later in the episode when she's talking to um the ambassador um she's just slightly off for a vulcan mm -hmm. she's just slightly i don't know i mean i don't know if she's trying to be funny mm. but she is very funny and, and i wonder whether how how sort of um jolene blaylock played that whether she you know how she thought about that whether it was intended to be dry but funny or whether that was you know that was sort of put on her mm. yeah i don't know but she does that so well there's so many times when she just like absolutely rips somebody apart with like <laughs> you know one sentence with no intonation at all but it just absolutely 
hits them right square smack on the nose, you know. <laughs> there are deadpan comedians who are like, oh, that's so good. That's that's the way you do it. Um, yeah, she's she's just a delight. And it's it's yeah. kind of a shame that Jolene Blaylock has retreated from yeah. the sort of public side of of being, you know, in the Star Trek um, family. Um, yeah, she doesn't attend the conventions and things like that for, for very good reasons. You know, she doesn't want to get involved in things. But it is a shame because I would love to hear her side of it and her yeah. stories um, about how they treated the character and whether she agreed with it. And also things like this, little choices that she made about the character, about delivering these lines that are played so well and fit into everything you we've seen of the Vulcan way of life. You know, you could easily see these words coming out of Spock's mouth in TOS yeah. when he's when he's addressing bones, you know, all yeah. these kind of things. Um, I did read somewhere that um, Jolene Baylock was um, a big Star Trek fan, actually, mm. and, and really wanted to play the Vulcan. And, 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 you know, and I think she feels, it's hot, as you say, you know, she hasn't spoken a lot, really, but I do think she feels it, that the character was let down, mm. really. Mm. And I suppose that that shows with her sort of moving away from being involved. But yeah, it's a real shame. I mean, this is one of the great shames of Enterprise. I think that you know we joke about the sexy Trek stuff, but you know, I think it would be very frustrating as an actress mm. and an actor. You know, to some of the actors as well, got a bit of it as well. But certainly the actresses, I think it would be. You know, it's part. It's unfortunately it is part of you know being a female actress on a on a show. You know, True. not many escape that, you know. But equally I think they they, they did it so badly and so sort of gratuitously mm. that it would be it would be very frustrating, I think. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a darker part of the of the franchise. But as you say, it's general for lots of TV, not only of this yeah. period, but throughout all of the industry. Um and it's just a shame. Um and I really hope that we get, you know, more you know hopefully she'll come back into the you know the family and, and you know yeah. it will hopefully someday come out and we can get to know these stories um and and see what you know what she thought of it and what she honestly had as a take on it um we go on to forest he's called in from starfleet and the vacation has been cut short the holiday to riser um so yes we've started the riser trilogy the next three episodes are going to be the riser trilogy but it also feels like this is the last episode of a trilogy for um, Andorian Incident, Shadows of Pajem, and this. So it's almost like it's a bridge episode because we are now going to deal with the Vulcans again. Um, yes. Being tight-lipped, there's this ambassador. We find out that she's um, got to be taken home quickly, but they're not really telling them why. Um, we get that kind of callback to Archer's uh racism uh speciesism yeah. against the vulcans yeah. oh fancy that they're not telling us yeah. anything blah 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 um hoshi volunteers her quarters and she's going to clear them out according to vulcan protocol which topol is sort of enforcing and um there's a little bit of art that topol asks mm. her to take away but looking yes. at that art um you know obviously i'm going to lean into your experience here that seemed like something that I think a Vulcan would like. You know, it's very mm. geometric. There was lots of shapes yep. in there that I think would be quite calming to a Vulcan. And I thought it'd just be quite interesting. But any any thoughts on the Vulcans, Archer, Forrest, and of course, Hoshi giving up her quarters? Yeah, I mean, I think Archer is is sort of playing to, to type, really. Um, he's always angry about the Vulcans in one way or another, really. Um, <laughs> and um, yeah, the, 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 I think... Um, 
I, I think it, again it works really well for later in the episode where Topol is sort of making assumptions, which you know ninety nine percent of the time would be be perfectly reasonable, but of course we find out later that you know that actually the, the ambassadors again is, is in in the same way as Topol in some ways is not quite your typical Vulcan. Mm. Um, so yeah, I think she would have appreciated that art actually, and um, yeah, I think. Um, but I, I like that again. I like it that we're, we're getting set up for for expecting one sort of story or one one character type of character, mm. and then they they drop in a sort of slightly radical Vulcan, for want of a better word. Absolutely, yeah. And we've kind of had that before. We've had the the uh, Vulcans. Um, who uh, were experiencing emotions and things like that. So we have played against the type already, but this is, it feels like a different kind of Vulcan. We've had um, surgical strike Vulcans in Pajem. We've had Topol. We've had now, um, you know, so many different variants of what they are like. Savol, even way back in the pilot in Broken Bow, seemed like a different kind of Vulcan. And yeah, we are now going to find out this new Vulcan. Uh, Ambassador Valar. Uh, who uh, is unexpectedly, I wouldn't say emotional, but no. seems to be very receptive to dealing with people who have emotions by, if not pretending, but tapping into her own emotions as well. She can sort yeah. of smile. She can hand, she's willing to handshake. Yeah. They, they pick her up and she is instantly straight in with, you know, putting the hand forward. There's no second guessing her nature. She, she feels like a diplomat. She feels like she knows yes. how to adapt herself to fit the scenario. Um, any thoughts on the performance of Valar when they first pick her up from um, Mazar? Yeah, I mean, I think um, initially it, it, it's... I, I think you're right. I think as an ambassador, she would have learned to, you know, to sort of, mold, as you say, mould herself almost to, to sort of work with other, with other species. Mm. Um, so it, you don't know whether this is just her being sort of polite mm -hmm. in a way or whether this is her but I, certainly as the episode goes on I think her performance the actress's performance is fantastic mm. she's really really good and I think um, just her you know she, again she plays that character so well and really sort of finds it feels like a very rounded character any seer obviously for 45 minutes but actually it feels like a very rounded character and again one of these characters that maybe could have come back because she you know she's very uh, yeah I think um, she's a very interesting character and again a shame with um, episodic TV that we don't maybe you know see her in because I think she would have been a great addition you know like a bit like Strand you know an occasional guest star you know she comes in when, when they've got problems with, you know, maybe even she could have come in, in the, like the beginning of the Zindi arc, that sort of thing, or, you know, that, and sort of being involved somehow in, you know, trying to plot or trying to work out a response and stuff. And I don't know, you know, but um, it's off the top of my head. So, but I think she, she, she deserves more than she got. Yeah, absolutely. And when you think of the, the Vulcan arc to come in um, season four. Yeah. Absolutely. Just having her there, um, if if not as a main player, but, you know, just on a view screen and she's saying, you know, I've dealt with the humans, this is all good, you know, all this kind of stuff. Or in 
the what will be the finale for season one coming up with Shockwave, mm. where there yes. are repercussions and the Vulcans are kind of trying to rescind or bring the Enterprise back. Um, her voice to say, well, I've just served with these people. There's no way that they would have done this. Um, yeah. I know, yeah, again, we are using modern day TV to sort of change TV back then. Um, sorry, that's my cat. Um, I don't know why she's here. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it feels like she could have been so much more in the same way that Dean Stockwell feels like it could yes. have been a character that could have come more. Um, it, their performances just elevate that character. They come in to do this one shot um, character for one episode, but they elevate it so well, it could have easily been brought back. Yeah. Um, I really do like the idea that um, she sat at the table with them in the mess deck and she's recounting some of her dealings with other species that she um, uh, did the territorial accords with Andoria and she yeah. mentions how she took a firmer hand. So again, she's mentioning how she can mold herself yeah. uh, and change what she's doing. And that for me is why I think it's the third in a trilogy for the Pajem trilogy, as it were, right. because yeah. it is mentioning the Andorians and it sort of finishes that off. Um, she also mentions that, you know, news of your species hadn't even reached us when I did that. And there's uh, the bit where she's playing with Trip and she's yes. saying, you shouldn't ask a lady your age. Um, even she knows that you can easily get Trip. Uh, and this is something <laughs> that Archer was doing episodes ago as well, um, back in Shadows of Pajem. So she, you know, uh, it's all Pajem. It's all references to Pajem in this one conversation. Um, but again, it's it's nice to see that the Vulcans have this approach to diplomacy, but she had her own approach, and that's why she's so much better at it than maybe most Vulcan ambassadors have ever been in the past. Um, it leads to a conversation in the corridor between T'Pol and uh, Valar, and she says she senses anger, but actually it's a bit more like disappointment that she hasn't met up to her expectations, as we find out that Valar has engaged in criminal misconduct. And it mm. seems unusual to her. Why would she do all this? Why would she throw her career away um, for um, a, a, a bit of criminal activity? Uh, Archer also then does sort of join her at the end and say, you know, I've spent all this time with you. I should be able to detect a difference in my science officer. And I like that that is happening. You know, we've obviously had the scene where he hates the Vulcans and he's talking to Forrest, but he is at least changing his ways when talking to, to Pole. Yeah. Um, and it's something you mentioned before, you know, when you work with someone, it changes your viewpoint. Uh, and it is a nice little just subtle hint that he picks up on emotional cues from a Vulcan. Like he's getting better at it. Uh, any other thoughts on, on that? Yeah, I just think. Um, I, I think it's an interesting scene, especially between um, the ambassador and T'Pol, because, you know, we've already spoken about how T'Pol isn't your typical Vulcan. Mm. But clearly, you know, she she has this sort of what's the word? I suppose societal expectations almost. Mm. She sort of, you know, she is a Vulcan. You know, she can't help that. You know, she, you know, despite her sort of pushing at the edges, she does still have the sort of the you know the ideas of the society she grew up in, just like we all do. You know, we, yeah. however sort of you know we like to pretend that we're free thinkers and we're you know we all sort of you know that we all have our our sort of imprinted expectations and stuff and and this 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 plays to that very nicely mm. um 
yeah and i think this leads on to the the, the scene a bit later on where she talks to i think archer about having met, met her in the past and stuff and mm. Yeah, and so maybe there's a bit of sort of societal disappointment, but also a bit of personal disappointment. She was important to her. Yeah. She obviously doesn't say that or anything. You know, that would be far too emotional to, to <laughs> say, well, you know, you, you was a hero of mine and now you've let me down, you know. But that's maybe what, you know, what she's picking up as well, as much as anything, is that T'Pol, you know, looked up to her and, and feels that she's let her down. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you know we saw in um a few episodes ago where they were mentioning that they don't celebrate captains based on their looks and their and their achievements this perfectly plays into that that she is i mean to is almost fangirling if you want to mm-hmm. uh, you know use an expression um on Valar. and there was that moment where she met her as a youngster it inspired her and moved her into her career choices um and eventually leads to the enterprise and it's just nice to see that there is that um, character thread that marries so well with previous things she said. You know, I don't care what she looks like or the you know, the, the trimmings. It's what she achieved that was most important. And now she's throwing that away through yeah. criminal misconduct. That's where that personal disappointment lies. And yeah, it, it's just fantastic. More fantastic character work from uh, Jolene Blaylock. Um, the Maserites. The Maserites catch them up. And uh, yeah. there seems to be a change. And uh, I'm just a transport captain. They don't tell me anything. I'm just here to collect her. I'm just a starship captain. You don't expect me yeah. to make decisions on my own, do you? Just a lovely little bit between the two captains. They've clearly got their own agendas, their own yeah. way of speaking, but they are playing against each other. Again, yeah. another one-shot person that comes into yeah. this episode and elevates it. You know, he is he's a... A well-versed Star Trek actor, you know he's been in so many different uh, franchises and iterations. This is, um, uh, is really uh, Rib- Ribenstein. Ribenstein has been so many different characters throughout Voyager, okay. DS Nine, you name it. He's been in it. You know he's he's been so many different characters. Same as uh, Fionella uh, Flanagan, she's also been other characters in DS Nine and so forth. Oh, so okay. they've had some Star Trek pe- pedigree behind them, yep. but they just relax into this. And I would yep. love to have seen more of this Maserite captain um, and just to see if Archer had played off him again. Mm. Um, but yeah, any thought about the first confrontation with the Maserites? Cause we go right up to jamming comms and should we fire on them and all this sort of stuff? Yeah. I mean, I think you, you've, you've um, sort of summed it up really nicely is that, you know, I think both of them are sort of playing a game, aren't they? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm just a, a transport captain, of course, you know, and maybe you are, but in the way he delivers it, you know that's just you know that's just rubbish. And 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 the same with with um, Archer. You know he just sort of he plays the dumb dumb as well. You know. And <laughs> so it's a really, again you're right. It's a really nice little interaction. It's very well played by both actors. It's as you say. I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? This episode that you know where we where we've talked a couple of times. I think about civilization being a very stock character. Mm both the sort of the antagonist and the protagonist, if I'm correcting my, I can never remember. I think, yes, um, are very well done. You know, they're very mm. well rounded characters. And it's funny because I'm terrible at recognizing people. So I had no <laughs> idea that they'd been in Star Trek before. Um, 
it's, so yeah he's one of those faces that i'm like i know i've seen him in other star trek but i can't remember the character and again going through imdb doing a little bit of research for notes and stuff like that yet yeah, he's you know well and truly ingrained in star trek you know a one of those faces there seems to be so yeah. many faces in star trek that just crop up crop up every now and then um but yeah they take out the engines um uh, reed gets to fire a phaser at somebody so all good um <laughs> reed started uh, 2152 very well he's <laughs> he's all about firing up uh, in oasis last week and now he's firing at someone this week as well so two two episodes in a row and then they warp away yep. archer is now pressuring Valar to explain why on earth this has changed what's really going on she's not giving any details and it's a believable reason that she's not doing mm. so as she will explain later but the way that that in that conversation goes even when you rewatch this episode it makes sense how she says it and says Look, i can't tell you can't explain this but you know i have to get to the sharan i have to be dropped off and taken to vulcan well that's not good enough so now he's going to turn back and go back to mazar and there's that that kind of poker element you know yes. they're trying to bluff each other and and this sort of thing um forest calls in and says you know the Vulcans are raising holy hell. I would love to see what that looks like um, <laughs> without any kind of emotion. Uh, yes. What exactly their um, over-the-top reaction would be. Um, we saw Saval raise his voice once in the pilot, but, you know, <laughs> did he did he break something? Uh, is there a, you know, a, a Serac statue that's been toppled because he's, <laughs> he's so over-the-top? Uh, I don't know. Um, but, yeah, uh, just anything about the tete-a-tete between Archer and Valar, and uh, the fallout that seems to be happening with the Vulcans. I suppose the only thing I wondered about is I didn't really understand why she couldn't say anything. Mm. It felt again like the Vulcan attitude to humans, which is strange because you know she otherwise she doesn't display that at all really. Um, so that was the only sort of a thought. You know, maybe again that was more about plot than than sort of making sense as such. Mm-hmm. because why not tell him in a way you know what what is the reason for not telling him i mean you know i i, I yeah so that's the only thing i felt really was that it, it felt a little bit not pointless that's the wrong word but you know what why not tell him yeah this it seems to be that she could she's very good at adapting herself why didn't she adapt herself to say well you know this will give you leverage over the Vulcans because you have performed this. You have delivered me to the Sharan. Um, this is a favor that they now owe you. Um, if you hold me in such contempt, if you hold my species in so such contempt, why not gain that favor? Um, it could backfire. And maybe you would say, well, I'm not about, you know, gaining favor from the Vulcans. I don't care about what you think, but that would have been a believable play for her to yes. make. Um, try and, and see it as a diplomatic negotiation. But yeah, staying tight-lipped and just not saying anything did seem very odd. I know later she says, I didn't quite trust you. I didn't. I don't know much about humans. I'm fascinated by you, but I don't really know you. Um, and that does play nicely in later scenes, but it feels like she could have maybe done a bit more. That might be just a, set, a subtle int- um, alteration that we could have made uh, yeah. to the episode. Um, there's a really nice scene between Trip and Reed in engineering where Trip is saying that uh, you're enjoying this, aren't you? Um, having something to shoot at and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. And Reed saying, I prefer the shooting back bit. I don't really yeah. like being shot at. 
uh, and that uh, you know this is a, a mission of exploration, but we seem to be firing and, and shooting people far more often than we we like. Um, but it's still a conversation that then goes from a really nice thing about characters and blowing stuff up to the the schoolboy's sexual. They've got twelve fingers. These massage oh, therapists. God, I'm like, oh, why? <laughs> you could have just cut the conversation at the yeah. shooting back bit and just moved on. Um, oh God, it's going to play into two days and two nights. I know, and we're going to be cupping our our hands in our faces because it's going to be scenes of this. <laughs> um, but yeah, there we go. I'm going to move on from that scene. I'm not going to ask anything about that, um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> unless there's anything you wish to say. Um, no, the only thing is that I like um, Reed. You know, the shooting back bit is absolutely spot on for Reed's character, isn't it? Absolutely. But yeah. Other than that, I can leave it alone as well. <laughs> um, Hoshi and Valor are having a, a nice tea uh, in the the mess deck, and she's finally sort of saying thank you for giving me the quarters. Uh, that she expressed this interest in thanking the person who gave up, and that she doesn't want to be an imposition on people. Uh, and it's a it's a nice little scene. We find out that she's drinking iced tea with passion fruit, and that's actually an appropriate ingredient for Archer. That that Valar has been very insightful as to mm. Archer's character. And it did make me think, what are the flavours for every crew member? You oh, know, okay. who would it be? So, you know, if we've got Archer as passion fruit, what's Trip? Well, when you put me on the spot now. Um... <laughs> Maybe this should be a, a Nexus Knights episode. What's the iced tea ingredient for all the, uh, the, the Enterprise crew? I think it is... What, oh, Florida's the sunshine state, isn't it? It is. Yeah, I think. Or is it the orange state? Well, that's what I was wondering if it was the orange state, because if it was the orange mm, state, it would, be, orange. it would be orange. That's very true. Um, but I have a feeling California might be the orange state. Ah, I think it is. Yes, it might be. I mean, so, cat, catfish wouldn't go well with ice well, tea. That's so what I, that's the why first I thing I thought was catfish <laughs> as well, but I thought, no, that wouldn't be any good. Um, I think um, Reed would be plain. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Dead plain. Ice. <laughs> yeah. Not even an iced tea. It's just a yeah. tea. It's just yeah. PG tips. That's all it is. Yeah. yeah. I think Hoshi would be something very exotic. You know, mm. she'd go for a, for an alien thing, I think, because Ooh. being interested in sort of alien languages and culture and stuff like that, she'd go for something. Maybe she'd go for plomic broth instead of um, Ooh, that's tea. That's very true. Maybe, you know. Very good um, choice. Archer. Archer would be. I think he would be blueberry oh okay only because he's very american <laughs> you know he's do you know what i mean he's sort of mr america so i think he would be blueberry or pumpkin you know mm, interesting so so instead yeah. of the passion fruit we'll go for blueberry american okay i like that um what about um uh, travis travis I don't think anyone cares what Travis should go for. <laughs> He's just about to tell us, and then it cuts the yeah, scene. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. He wouldn't get. He wouldn't get a scene when he gets to drink. He gets to drink iced tea. <laughs> he wouldn't get that much exposure. Perfect. Absolutely perfect. Yes. Nobody cares what Travis has in his iced tea. <laughs> uh, I just want that in every episode now. It's just they go and ask a Travis question. It just just about to answer, and then it cuts off to the next scene. Um. Oh, God. Uh, there's a great little interplay after that. Uh, T'Pol is summing up um, that Archer resents us. You know, you're just playing into the resentment by not telling him. And Valar is saying that we've kept many things from them. Mm. Now, that was very ominous because what else have they kept from him? 
they lied about Pajem. They lied or they yep. didn't mention the Andorians and didn't really go into yep. the Andorians very much. What else are they keeping back from us? Mm. You know, what were they protecting us from? Um, something I would love to see explored. You know, what were the other things that they've kept from us? Well, certainly the Warp 7 engine. Very true. That's something for sure. Technology wise. Stuff about engines. Yeah. Mm. Um, all yeah. classified, all classified according to Panic. They've kept yeah. Pon far from us. Very true. Officially, anyway, you know. I'll be, yeah, I don't know whether there's been much sort of cultural exchange as such. I don't know how many humans have been sort of posted to, to Vulcan. I know mm. in season four, there's the, the Earth embassy, isn't it, that gets blown mm. up? Yes. But how that works and how sort of, yeah, how open they are with, with that. Very true. Yeah. yeah. Very tight lipped. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Interesting. There's uh, Valar sort of gives across that she actually does remember T'Pol and she took an active interest in her career after she was very blunt with her when she was young, uh, going to see her and asking questions that were quite uh, impertinent. Um, it's a nice idea that your hero would follow your own career, but I very much doubt that that is how many people get to play. So it, it's nice for T'Pol to actually meet a hero who then took an interest in them, them as well. Um, but yeah, I can think of a handful of times I've met people I've gushed over when I was younger, and I very much doubt they would even remember me. So it's um, uh, yeah. Any any thoughts on that? Well, again, I think that's quite a Vulcan thing. You know, I think Vulcans do remember stuff, you know, and details and stuff. So, I mean, maybe the the bit about sort of following her career might be a bit of a stretch, but I think I think if you met a Vulcan. In a, in a social situation and 10 years later they would remember that mm. I think that's a very Vulcan thing oh, to yeah. do mm. um, very you know logical they sort of store the way the information so I think that that that's quite believable for Vulcans whether whether there'd be an interest in, in the, the career would be another thing maybe but mm. I can definitely see that but I guess you know again we're looking at T'Pol as a, as a slightly off kilter Vulcan you know if you spend your life dealing with very straight up you know, very non-emotional, very polite Vulcans, and this young kid turns up, and and it's a bit sort of, a bit bullshy, a bit sort of, you know, for for a Vulcan, anyway. for a Vulcan, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Maybe that would stick in your mind. Maybe that would be mm. something that you would. That's very you know, true. You would remember. So, uh, be an a hole uh, is, is the way to get remembered. There we go. Yeah. Uh, as as uh, Trip was saying earlier, you know, uh, you know, get noticed to or be seen to get noticed yeah, and all that exactly, sort of stuff. So there we go. Yeah. Maybe that's a theme for the episode. I don't know. Yeah. Um, uh, T'Pol now knows what the secret is, um, sort of. She hasn't exactly told her, but she has said that or conveyed that there is a very big, important aspect to this mission that she's being delivered, um, but she should now. Um, be getting Archer's trust uh, because there's something bigger than themselves. Archer still doesn't go for it. He's like, I need an exact reason. Um, there's the essence of a criminal conspiracy. She's saying that she is involved in something that is much larger. And this has really come into the thing that I've been hammering on for the whole season one. I really wished that season one had been dealing with the lawlessness you know, having the Marauders, you know, the Orion Syndicate is out there. We're kind of getting to know the picture of the land. You know, they're, they're running all of these um, filthy operations everywhere and, and smuggling rings and all this kind of stuff. And that this had been the, the pinnacle point, that Valar was the one who's through the Mazarites, who are kind of like a central part of the, the Orion Syndicate. 
they're the ones who've been dealing with this organization uh, that's mm. taken over and it's her testimony that might bring it down or, or at least dent it and i was kind of hoping that if this were the, the series finale they might have put in a little bit more about that you know i've been meeting with this group called the orions the orion syndicate you maybe you've heard of them and if they peppered that through all the other things that they've met norsecum raiders who've dealt with the orion syndicate or have orion syndicate friends and all this kind of stuff i think that could have been a great arc for the series ignoring the temporal stuff and come come back to that season two um i think this could have worked really well if they knew they were already going to do it when they were setting up season one i think that could have been a really good thing of course you know that's never going to happen because this is the past and and they're never going to change but i always wished that season one had been that very basic story this is the state of the universe this is how it's going to change and the enterprise then realizes there's they've got to start this alliance of worlds you know that Mm. you know the starting of that uh, that sort of mentality um the Maserites have caught up with them uh because they have now turned back around they finally convinced Archer now is the time to uh, to go back to the Sharan they're going from warp 4.6 4.8 4.9 uh Travis sort of has something to do because he's actually he's calling out the numbers um you know <laughs> it's it's not really much but at least he's getting a scene he's getting something active to do uh Reed's got to shoot something um yes. uh, Travis is pushing the engines to its limits captain um you know <laughs> Travis is calling out the, the numbers obviously Hoshi is still trying to get through the jamming signal every single person on the crew yeah. had something to do in this episode Archer obviously has the, the the dilemma later on Flox will have something to do as well again it feels like it's a season finale it feels like mm. everybody's coming together and I feel with those tweaks maybe it would have worked better any thoughts on, you know, we're pushing the engines. We haven't quite got to warp five yet, but we're just pushing the engines to 4.9. Yeah, I think that's quite cool, actually. As you say, I think I didn't realise, because I'm not as observant as you, but that we hadn't got to warp five before. Um, but that's, yeah, it's, it's interesting. that they. I mean, it's like, it makes you think of the battle bridge on the T, on um, Enterprise on TNG. Mm. You know, in the first episode... Um, encounter at far point they they, they use that mm-hmm. and then i'm not sure they ever really use it. they might use it in a couple of films but i don't think they ever really use it again yeah and it's almost like you would expect them to have pushed to warp five in broken bow mm-hmm. and then sort of never used it again <laughs> but so this is interesting that they left it you know so long to, to do it but it's quite sort of i don't think exciting is the right word but it's certainly it's certainly sort of quite important, a moment. I think you're right, it is a moment. And and I think you're right with the scene itself where everybody is involved. Mm. It's very nice. It's it's like the bridge crew, as you say, coming together and sort of, you know, all playing their part and um, being important. It's, and so, yeah, so it's, I suppose it's, it's quite an important scene in Enterprise, isn't it? Really, mm. when you think about it, it's, you know, it is a moment where they you know they really sort of all this experience they've gained and the sort of tweaks that, that you know i think um is it the, in this month bit where um reed says he hasn't quite worked out how to fire at warp and stuff and all that sort of thing so he's yep. you know they're, they're obviously always improving things and working on things and this is it's coming together mm, absolutely you've got um just 
you're playing on everything that we've learned about the characters so far um mm. that that hoshi has to kind of decrypt her way out the jamming signal and send out this signal um we've got um travis getting excited you can see it on his face that he's getting excited that he's pushing it up to 4.9 they've never done it before he is flying the fastest ship that's ever been um uh, but archer is now getting worried because there's three ships they can't stand up to them um it leads into a next scene where now finally Valar does mention why she's done it. She's collecting all this uh, organizational information about this um, uh, corruption in Mazar homeworld um, and that she needs to get there and she needs to turn around. Um, I'm going to sacrifice myself, but you need to still get to the Sharan. Maybe you can complete this yeah. mission, that sort of uh, discussion. Um and he says, like, you know, it hasn't got to that point yet. And you, if you've learned anything about this, you know, is we don't always take the logical path or the most logical course of action. Um, brilliant sort of standard TOS kind of feel to that that line. Yes. You know, we don't always take the logical path, Mr. Spock. You know, that kind of yeah. feeling to it. Um, again, I think it's another reason why I love this episode. It feels like it brings everything together of Enterprise and then beautifully marries into what will come in other series as well. Yeah. Uh, and now we get the decision. We're going to push to the Warp 5. Um, it's called a Warp 5 engine, and Trip says, on paper. On paper, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's right. He's thinking, oh, shit. Oh, no. <laughs> They're going to find out that it isn't actually five. I just bumped it up to five. It's 4.9, and I just thought, well, make it say, say, say five. That'd do. It cuts to a scene like 20 years earlier where he's just rubbing out the calculations and then putting yeah. five instead. Um, so we go 4.93, 4.95, 4.97. Um, you, you see the shaking of the ship. You even get the hum that's now louder in the background as well. You can hear the ship is straining over it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, 2152 marks the day where humanity reached warp five. Um, not because they wanted to, but because they're no. running away. <laughs> um, but they're still gaining. The Maserites are still catching up. It it feels as an action sequence. In so many other episodes, we've gone uh, through them and sort of said, here's the shooty, shooty, bang, bangs. Yeah. It's a bit fun. You know, it's okay. It all works. This was a steady progression in the action scenes, and it felt like they achieved something. Um uh, you know, we're getting the 55-minute the countdown. We have to catch up with Sharan. Can we send this signal? Valar then says, oh, there's the diplomatic channel. Maybe we can send through the jamming signal that way. And she helps Hoshi. They're, all of the crew are coming together with all their different skills. Um, just any thoughts on, you know, how it's paced? Do you feel it could have maybe been paced a bit better? Or, you know, was there more they could have brought into it? Um. Yeah, I mean, I think... We, we spoke before recording and um you know i said it's again it's one of these episodes where not a lot happens yeah and um i think this is maybe again you know yeah maybe you could have i don't know done something to make it a bit more because it although it was it was well done in some ways it you know it was a development there was a in, increase in sort of threat and stuff mm. it wasn't like that old style sort of TOS area where, where it was sort of very hectic and mm -hmm. it was still very slow paced. Yeah. I don't know. So maybe they could have done something to, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe they could have, maybe the, the Maserites could have been able to shoot at warp and, and sort of, you know, Ooh, damage yeah. the, a, a cell or something. And it would have been, you know, they would have had to maybe, you know, maybe, 
I think there's one bit where there's a fire, a little fire in, in engineering. Yes. Maybe yeah. there could have been more going on in that way. You know, maybe the you know stuff started blowing out on the, the deck, on the um, on the bridge and stuff. And, you mm-hmm. know, do you know what I mean? So it's a bit more sort of, will they make this? Yeah. You know? Whereas it was, it, there was a bit of that, will they make it? But it wasn't sort of dramatic as such. It was more, I don't know, it was more in the limitations of the ship. Yeah. You know, we, you understood the limitations of the ship and, and the shaking and stuff does that a little bit. And it sort of gives you that feel that it's a, you know, it's a struggle, mm-hmm. but it could have been more dramatic. Maybe. It, ne- it needed more rocks coming out of uh, mm. consoles inexplicably. And, and exactly, that's what, yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. A few more you know, sparks here and there would have been great. Yeah. I think it also misses that, that TOS thing that, you know, remember the sort of the Jaws theme thing that to- TOS used to have? Um, I get, it kind of needed a bit more oomph on the music. I don't know yeah. why, but the, when I was listening to the score, I was trying to p- pinpoint the score it didn't really punch enough. I, mm. I wanted a little bit more, maybe faster cuts between all the characters' faces, yeah. you know, something a bit more to it. And yeah, you're right. It, the limitation is the ship, not the crew. The crew are almost walking around the ship like there's really nothing yeah. wrong, other than an engineering where, where there's a fire and everything like this. Perfect time, would have been a perfect time to see Lieutenant Hess coming in with the you know, the fire extinguisher. I'm just saying, you know, I'm missing out on <laughs> Lieutenant Hess here. Um, <laughs> Um, but they realise they can't escape. They've reached uh, the warp fire barrier and the Maserites are still keeping up. Now Archer comes up with one of his famous, I'm not going to explain anything, but you just have to say what yes. I, or do what I say. Go down to sickbay. Sickbay? Why on earth are you going to sickbay? An unbelievably complicated plan is communicated yes. in one with sentence the, again with no other scene. <laughs> exactly. Um, she goes down to sickbay. There's no call down to Flocks to explain anything. No. <laughs> There's no mention uh, that we have to uh, play, you know, uh, dumb or anything like this to anything. Um, Archer's little communication saying, "All right, okay, you've got us. You know, we're slowing down. You've you've taken out our nacelle. She's uh, been hurt. She's now in sick bay. What would you have topped out at? How fast would have you yes. gone?" He's just playing for time for those extra yeah. ten minutes for the Sharan to turn up. Um, any other thoughts on on playing dumb? Archer playing dumb. I quite like, I think we, you, you mentioned poker earlier and it, mm. it feels very much like a poker move, doesn't it? You know, you know, it's almost like he's sitting at the table trying to sort of, you know, put it, put his opponent off by, sort <laughs> of, you know, a bit of sort of fast talk and a bit of sort of, you know, sort of, and all that stuff about, yeah, what would you have topped out at and stuff and all that sort of thing. I think um, I really like this solution to the mm. episode. Mm. I like the way, I think you I agree. I think, again, it could have just done with a little scene where, where Archer speaks to flocks or whatever, you know. Um, but equally, I like, you know, that whole sort of just playing for time. It works really well. And I would imagine that it feels very real to me that I would yeah. imagine, you know, when when you're, you know, forget about sort of starships, when you're, I don't know, when you're in a tank or, you know, if you're, a, I don't know, if you're you're holding out in a building or something, I would imagine this happens a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they try to sort of engage with them and sort of take, you know, just grab that bit of time, hoping that something will come along, sort of thing. And I think uh, it felt like a very real solution, a very real move that a captain would make. Yeah, yeah, it's and it sets the precedent for so many times when you see it with other captains throughout all of Star Trek. You know, the the play for time. You know, you've got this weird, grandiose plan going on in your head, but you need to like try and delay the enemy 
um but it doesn't work because they're going to get boarded uh yeah. he meets them at the airlock and even to pole is barefaced lying that she yes. Valar was injured she's properly like she's not even saying oh you know you blew out these relays which could have been very true but she hasn't actually said anything about Valar but she's absolutely lying 100% you injured her and she has now gone to sickbay and we know that that didn't happen because we saw that but we haven't seen any more of this plot or this uh, this gambit uh, that Archer is playing uh, we finally get to see Phlox it's it's 40 minutes into the episode but we finally wow. get Phlox in this episode and he plays probably one of the most important parts of the episode because he's playing into this plan which again has not been explained um, <laughs> she's in the chamber you know I will not let her out and he stands up to the captain um, has only just only just met him and he's already like I will not do that I'm I'm yes. Dr. Phlox don't you know you can sod off out of my sick bay um, and uh, they shoot into the chamber they they think they're going to kill her and uh, they they sort of take her out and Phlox properly shouts the no I mean he really goes for it I mean he does add this to his long list of accomplishments he's not only a surgeon a makeup artist he's also an actor He's a fantastic <laughs> actor. I really genuinely believe that she was in that yeah. chamber and he was hiding oh, her in well, there. Yeah. That that Absolutely. was part of the that was part of the ruse. And it, it backfired and that she has actually died. Um but the Sharan turns up to the rescue. We get a rumble, we get some phase of fire that we can kind of just about hear through the, the rumbling of the, the deck plating. And I I think probably my favorite Starship Falcon captain has turned up. Because okay, yeah. just the way he talks, he's like Captain Archer, you're perfectly yes. all right. <laughs> to, please yes. tell them to surrender their weapons or we will destroy their ships. And that's it's just a wonderful delivery. I don't know yeah. why. Um, for me, though, it would have been nice if it had been Vanek saving them. Yes. And it, you know, a little callback, just keep that going as well. Um, but any thoughts on the ruse and how it all played out in the end? I think it was, again, I think I've said it really, but I thought it was a very, a really nice bit of, bit of scripting, a bit of writing there. It worked very well, and um, I agree with you with the Vulcan captain. That, that sort of again, so deadpan, <laughs> but almost funny in a way. Yeah, you know, I don't. I, I'm sure it wasn't played for laughs, but you know, just I think I can't remember exactly what he says, but the turn of phrase is <laughs> is really nice. It's like a really lovely little turn of phrase, and um, yeah. So, and it's sort of like, I mean, I've, the only thing um, we haven't, the only thing is that. The bit where um, the ambassador, I can't remember her name. I'm so bad with names. But the ambassador yes, um, comes out when they're still there. Mm -hmm. It's a bit risky. Mm -hmm. You know, they might have just gone for it, you know. That's true. I mean, I don't know. I can't remember one if they could have the weapons off them already, but. they. I think they took the weapons off them, but there's no guarantee oh. that one of them could reach yeah, over, grab it, yeah. and then try and shoot her. We saw yeah. it in um, uh, Shadows of Pajem, you know, where mm. T'Pol got shot. Oh, yes, yes. Something happened where the, the gun was sort of grabbed and then shot. It's more than possible. Uh, yeah, if there had been maybe two security guys turn up at the very end, they're flanking her so that, you know, she's yeah. bolstered by that, maybe. Um, but again, maybe they couldn't pay for the extras. Who knows? Um, but, uh, yeah, revealing the gambit at the very end, it kind of feels like they could have waited and done that a little bit later. Mm. Maybe get the Maserites off the mm. ship first, and then she hails the Maserite captain yes. and say, I'm perfectly fine. I don't know why you're here. Um, but yeah, I mean, she took so much enjoyment saying, I look forward to adding this to my yeah. testimony. I mean, yeah. for a Vulcan, she took yes. a lot of enjoyment in she that. She did. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, 
that's it. Um, she that's sort it. of says goodbye, and she says there's a great bond between you two. Um, uh, you know, I think that kind of ends the possibility for me in my head of mm. Archer and Topol having a romantic relationship. Yeah, she's almost cock blocked uh, Archer there, really, hasn't she? By saying she the wonderful friendship. That's yes. it. She's ended any possibility of of a relationship, which I'm fine with. I, I, Archer yes. and Topol, I never yeah, wanted I'm more to see than fine together. With that, yeah. Yeah. Uh, friendship is absolutely fine um but uh it's a nice little play on this bodes well for our future and and that change and that that way of, of making the universe that we know it will become and that is the end of the episode and yes. uh that's locating it uh any other thoughts anything that we missed as going through now what was the ambassador's name Vilar. Vilar, yeah so Vlar, so v-l-a-r I thought there was something about all females, Falcon females being T. There was. I think um, looking up on the uh, IMDb's, she's one of I think five or six um, female Vulcans, a very small handful, who have a non-T starting name. So you got Valaris in Star Trek Six, and there was a few others, uh, Sa- uh, Savik as well in all of the mm. movies. Um, uh, but yeah, it's it's very unusual to have that. So. But other than that, yeah. all done. Nah, it's all good. Right, we go on to consequences. Um, consequences for the episode. Now, we reached the warp fire barrier, so technologically, big consequence yep. there. Anything else that would be a consequence from this episode? I think um, something that we don't see, and I think we've spoken about this a little bit, but I think we've, we've gained a friend. Mm. And I think that might be quite useful um so yeah i think that that's you know she's very senior obviously um so i think that yeah that's going to be a consequence not one that we see but i think if if we could see the whole of the mm. you know if, if we were literally living through it in history then mm-hmm. i think we would see that that would be quite useful at some point certainly it would be interesting to see the um her being the advocate for enterprise having been with the with them and being in correspondence with topol more often having her as we've been saying we enjoyed her performance why not just keep her coming back uh, for season two three four and so on um i would have liked to have seen the courtroom case i actually wanted mm. to see and see maybe next episode mm. was the courtroom drama and yeah. the enterprise is there delivering her as well with the with the sharan um I want to see more of the Sharan. I want to see more of the the phaser fight. You know, have uh, Reed uh, shooting some people and shooting back for a change um, uh, at the very end. Um, but consequences wise, there isn't a lot you could say. Well, this of course because of this episode, this this and this will happen in season two or, or whatever. There isn't that further allusion to the Star Trek world. But I think consequence wise for the crew, there's a lot here. Because, okay. you know, Warp 5, because we've got yep. um, Hoshi working with Valar and, you know, there's that element to it. Every character had something to do. Um, mm. uh, even Flocks, even for that five-minute period where he, he picked up his paycheck for that week, um, <laughs> playing uh, the, the best, you know, outraged doctor there was. Um, it, there was something there for the consequences of the crew, I think. And mm. um, maybe changing Archer's mind on the Vulcans, maybe as a consequence um there we, go. we will see i don't think <laughs> i think i think unfortunately there's there's a bit of a there's a bit of a block there somewhere isn't there i think unfortunately he's got a 
Just around the corner. He's got, <laughs> he's got ideas and he doesn't really, whatever happens, that those ideas stay more or less the same, don't they, really? Pretty much, yeah. Um, I suppose there is also, um, I was just thinking, and this just popped into my head, the consequence of uh, extradition. Does this, mm. does this incident lead up to protocols regarding how you deliver a prisoner you know you don't turn back regardless of what the captain wants to do Mm. you don't turn back because you've been ordered to do x y and z um you know never going to be followed as far as i remember from other star trek episodes i was going to say i I think (laughs) if it if it is if it does come out of it then it's never followed because (laughs) i think we would be in trouble really with star trek if it did because I think 99% of Star Trek is the captain or someone breaking the rules and, you know, <laughs> it'd be a very different series, wouldn't it? Or a very different canon. One of the few interviews I saw with J.J. Uh, Abrams when he was first bringing back Star Trek for the Kelvin universe was, uh, as far as I seem to have worked out from Star Trek is, you set up a bunch of rules and then you have your characters go and break them. Yeah, That's, yeah, absolutely, yeah. It's very true. That is very true. Yeah. Um, so consequences is done. Uh, alterations. Now, I've already gone on about my thing about you know season one and, and changing that but is there any alteration specific to this episode that you would have seen that maybe made it added a bit more to it not really other than the thing we mentioned about maybe a bit more sort of um action in in the chase mm-hmm. but not really i mean i think i agree with you I, I you know this is a pretty decent episode and and i think you know with any of these things, you can go back and nitpick mm-hmm. to the nth degree sort of thing. And, and, you know, but actually, no, I think, no, I, I think I'll leave it alone with the sort of, the sort of idea in the back of my head that maybe we could do, but without needing to do it. Yes. We could, we could do it maybe, but we don't need to do it. Mm. Yeah. It's, I would love to see more. It's always that thing with uh, with this category, with this um, yeah. ratings criteria, is that I will always want to see more in a, one of these episodes, with the good episodes at least. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it works as it is. It was a delight yeah. to go back and watch this a second and yeah. third time for note taking. Um, it's not one where it felt like a chore to say, yes. oh God, yeah. go through that scene again. Uh, oh, stinky. Oh God, not again. <laughs> uh, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. But there we go. Um, recommendations do we recommend to star trek fans is this is an essential episode yeah i think so i think this is this is as good as it gets in season one really um so i think yes it is i mm. think um yeah it's it's a good episode enjoyable yeah yeah so yeah i think definitely yeah uh, i mean it's warp five we learn about the engine. We actually learn a lot more about the Enterprise, really, and what she's capable of. You know, she can't fire at warp and all this kind of stuff. And again, I labour on this point, but every crew member had something to do. Um, it's an important thing to learn about Archer's character, Trip, even Reed, because he loves shooting things. Travis, again, I mean, you know, he's just calling out numbers, but he's the guy in charge of the ship. He's flying it at speeds no one's ever done before. Um, everybody had something to do. It's a Topol-centric episode, sort of. Yep. Yeah. Um, so we get a lot more for T'Pol as well. And, you know, she has everything from killer one-liners to, to trip at the beginning, all the way up to the very end when they say goodbye to Bilal. And it's the, the cementing of maybe a better relationship between the humans and the Vulcans. It's an essential episode. It's really interesting because you just made me think of saying, do you listen to the Delta Flyers? I do. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And I know Robert Duncan McNeil often says, to get really high marks, an episode needs to involve all the cast. Oh, yes, yes, he does. Yeah. Yeah. He always enjoys uh, a scene where everyone gets something to do. Something yeah. to do. Yeah. Yeah. And so maybe this is feeding into that idea that 
you know, by by doing that, by sort of spreading the story out and by having lots of people involved, you mm. get a better episode. That's a good point. Yeah. Well, well done, Robert Duncan McNeil, because I, I agree with you. There we go. Um, yeah, yeah, because if if it feels like it's centred on one character, if it's their, their episode, fair enough. But when it's an episode that has the potential to go across mm. all the crew and if they use all the crew effectively, I enjoy it more. I, you know, so I, I would say, yes, that's an essential element of what should be in a Star Trek episode. Um, to non-Star Trek fans, do you think it works? Yes and no, because mm-hmm. I think, yes, it does. It's a good story. So mm-hmm. you could sit down and watch it. It's a good story. I think you, by having the background of some of the previous episodes and just a general knowledge of Vulcans, you maybe would get more out of it. So it's one of those episodes that absolutely you could sit someone down and they could watch it and they could probably enjoy it. But it, it would probably lack something that that you would get if you'd seen more episodes. Mm. It it sort of requires you to have seen the, the first season because yeah. you'll understand where all of these characters are coming from. Um, the initial conversation about uh, performances down and efficiency and maybe you need to go and get some in Risa may put people off, I guess. Yeah, the sniggery right part of it. Of that, but you, yeah, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe that would be a... But I think, yeah, I would recommend it, though. I think you sat down, it's an action episode because there's stuff going on. You know, the Reaching the Warp 5 thing, it does ramp up the tension but it it does require you to have seen a bit more so again i think so i think we've reached this point i think with naturally with season one is the good episodes that we are recommending you kind of need to come to this yeah. next you know this is the second dose in, in the yeah. junkie kit or the brainwashing kit um the second bit that gets people into into trek to really appreciate it it would be really interesting won't it when we've gone through more seasons and stuff and series you know, what are the episodes that we're going to come across that we can say, do you know what? You don't need any previous knowledge. You don't need, you know, mm-hmm. what are are there any? Almost? I don't know. I really no. don't know. Because it's, even when you think of the really big ones, you know, the, the best of both worlds, well, you need yeah. to see Who first. Otherwise, you yeah. have no idea what the background of the board Absolutely. is. I mean, I think what's the one with the um, the one they always, it's almost always sort of voted the best TNG episode, the um, Inner Light. Inner Light. I mean, absolutely, that stands up as a, a sci-fi story by itself. But do you need to know about Picard? Do you mm-hmm. need to care about Picard in order for it to... Do you need you know, to see so... family first? Because yeah. if you don't appreciate his bad family relationship mm. with his brother, you don't get the fact that him having a family is a big deal in Inner Light. Yeah, yeah absolutely. There we go. I, this is what I'm hoping for. You know, Do they do enough work in the episode to make it stand on its own and you get the character? Um, or is it down to the actor's performance, or so on, and do, so on, and so on? Do you know the only one that springs to mind is Distant Origin? Ooh, the one with the dinosaurs. Uh, the um, oh god, what are they called? What's the, the alien the, species? Um, the Saurians. Is it Saurians or? Yeah. Uh, oh. Oh no. They, oh no. I can't. Yeah, you're right. They got a. They got a special name. And what, I can't... Not Vodwar. That's the other lot. Yeah, the ones with big necks. Uh, yeah. Oh god, what what is their name? They're a big part in the um, Star Trek Online game. They come oh, into the story quite a bit um, for that as well. Um, oh, God. That's going to kill me now. I'm going to be like... It's going to pop in my head like an it hour do, after yeah. we, we hit yeah. uh, end on the record. There are people screaming at us. Well, the person yeah, there are, us, indeed, screaming yeah. at us right now. So uh, <laughs> get in touch with everyone. Uh, email us in. We've probably already remembered it, but uh, there we go. Um, 
but that's so yeah. sort of separated from you know there's i think is it like over half the episode before any voyager characters come into it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so that maybe could be one that that's almost like a pure sci-fi story it's almost like a sort of um um oh, what's that series twilight zone episode yes yeah a, a standalone episode absolutely yeah yeah, but we'll see. We'll see. That's, a long, again, that's a long way away. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got many, many, many seasons to get through before we get to those points. Um, but that's it. That's it for our recommendations. Um, yeah. All good. Uh, all that remains is to set up the next episode then. So um, we are continuing the Ricer trilogy. So this was the first in th- what we're seeing as three parts as we go into uh, season three, episode 25 of the podcast and season one, episode 23 of Enterprise as we go to Desert Crossing. And uh, I'm looking forward to this one. This one has stuck in my mind. I always, remember, I always remember this um, uh, probably more so for the, the guest actor who will be in it as well. Uh, everyone knows who it is, but you know, uh, the Krogan himself from Highlander. Um, I absolutely love that actor. Um, his voice, everything about it. Oh, I'll gush over him next week. Um, but there we go. Um, That's interesting because I don't think I'm going to. Oh, okay. So oh, we could have an interesting episode. There we go. Maybe maybe it won't I'm not, help. <laughs> I'm not quite as convinced by A's performance and B, the story. So, Ooh, so okay. maybe we'll have a... It may not be a good performance, but I do like the actor. <laughs> right uh well um thanks as always for joining us uh thank you dan for joining me Pleasure. again and uh we'll see you in the next time stream goodbye i hope you've enjoyed the show please remember to like subscribe and review wherever you listen to it if you would like to be a guest in the future or give feedback you can contact me by either searching for the temple trick podcast facebook page or find me on twitter at rider underscore coattail also search the temple trek podcast you can also find me on Instagram at Daniel underscore Hitch underscore writer. Scripted elements of the show are a work of pure fan fiction, and any views and opinions expressed in the episode discussions are my own or that of the guest. They do not reflect the rights holders of Star Trek. Any Star Trek sound effects or music are used under the terms of fair use and are not my own work. The intro music, Birthright by Audio Binger, is royalty free from the Free Music Archive. Check out their work and others at freemusicarchive.com. The Temple Trek is a free podcast with no Patreon or sponsorship. However, if you would like to support the show, you can find my books by searching Daniel Peter Hitch on Amazon. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you in the next time stream. <laughs>